Well, folks, it's that time of the show where we go out and find somebody who's made a difference in the financial world. And we've got a great author on the line. He's joining us from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. His name is Doug Obie, and he's written a book called Money and the Human Condition. Doug, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Coach Pete. Yeah, and I see on the back of the book, this pretty cool little uh, line here. It says, why in the most capitalistic society on earth do we Americans understand so little about how money works? And that about sums it up, doesn't it? That's pretty much what my <laughs> entire book is about. So let's talk about it. What, what gets in the way of the average American, which is about 90% of us all out there, what gets in the way of us doing the proper financial planning? I think it's more people's reluctance to sit down and figure out what's going to benefit them long term. All right, Everyone's tied into working very hard for money, making ends meet, trying to put a little away, but then they usually grab that for something else, and they never really put a plan in place, if you will. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of times people are just afraid of taking what they think is a big step, but you can do baby steps. You can get in the right place, and once you're there, it's a lot more comfortable, isn't it? Sure it is. But, you know, it doesn't have to be even as complicated as putting together a complete financial plan. It can be as simple as living below your means. Real, real simple. If you live below your means, you're going to have an additional amount that you can save, and eventually when that saving gets to a certain amount, you can then invest. You can try and learn about tax strategies, so you can invest in something that might be more tax beneficial than something else, and so on. You know, as long as you live below your means, you have the makings to be the millionaire next door. Now, it's said that self-interest drives the marketplace. Why is that? Because the marketplace is people, and people are always driven by self-interest. I don't care what issue you're talking about, all right? It's all motivated by self-interest. And I'm not talking selfishness. I'm talking about self-interest. Like in my book, I describe a situation where if somebody helped an old woman across the street, and that old woman turned around and, and hit them over the head and cursed at them and said, don't touch <laughs> me, and, all right, they would probably never help an old woman again across the street. Right. But why did they do it in the first place? They did it for the feeling they get and the feeling we all get of helping somebody. That, to me, is self-interest. A lot of people would say that's a selfless act to help someone across the street or help someone in any situation. I agree it is selfless, but you also get a certain degree of satisfaction and good feeling from doing something like that. Again, it's self-interest. Even just smiling at somebody when you walk down the street and pass them makes you feel good. Sure. Or waving to somebody, Absolutely. that kind of thing. I know the subtitle of your book is Understanding How Money Shapes Our Society and How to Gain Control of Our Finances. And one of the things you talk about in the book is taxes should be reduced and that would help the economy. Talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's self-interest. If I don't have to pay as much to Uncle Sam or the state I live in, all right, I'm going to be more motivated to work harder and make more. All right, I'm going to be a more productive member of society. Whereas the more you tax me, the less incentive I have to create, to innovate, to work harder. It's just a vicious cycle either way. I think if taxes were lower, then people would have more motivation to work hard and the economy would grow, GDP would grow, more money would change hands. Every single dollar that changes hands, Uncle Sam or the state gets a little piece of. Revenues would increase. 
Uh, we only have to look back to Reagan when he reduced taxes and revenues increased substantially. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, folks, we're talking to Doug Obey. He's the author of Money and the Human Condition. He's also a certified financial planner and investment advisor. The subtitle, Understanding How Money Shapes Our Society and How to Gain Control of Your Finances. And let's talk about building a financial roadmap. I know a lot of people, they think they're doing financial planning where they're just buying a bunch of mutual funds and they think they have a plan. Doug, that's not a real plan, is it? Not at all. The most important thing in financial planning, and it does get a little complicated, is quantifying your goals. All right, that that's very difficult for a lot. I, I put examples like that in the book where if a young couple wants to buy a house, all right, well, how do they? How do you actually go about doing that? You can't just say, "Gee, I think I'll put money away and, and try and buy a house." You have to first investigate what type of house you'd be comfortable living in, and where you'd be comfortable living. Then look into what that home would cost. Now figure out what. 20% if, or 3.5%, depending on what, what mortgage program you want to go on and whether you can afford to pay the PMI on top of the mortgage. But in any case, you quantify it down to, okay, how much do I need for down payment? Yeah. And then say, how much can I afford to save toward that down payment each and every month? All right, now you have a plan that, okay, if the answer to that is two years, you have a plan. In two years, I can afford to buy a home that I would like to own. It's not super complicated, but you do have to quantify these goals. And then trying to quantify retirement is a whole different story because to do it perfectly, you'd have to know exactly when you were going to die. And of course, none of us know that. <laughs> none of us want to run out of money in retirement. That's what the battle that people go through every day when I talk to them is they want to have a plan, but they want to make sure they don't run out of money, but they want to have plenty of money while they're here. And that's a delicate balance, isn't it? It is. And, and it's very unfortunate that the situation with the economy is the way it is that the Federal Reserve has had to go to a zero rate policy because it's really hurting uh, seniors and people that thought they had plenty uh, as far as principal right. to live off of, all right, when interest rates were maybe 5 6 7%, that might have been true, but now with interest rates down around a quarter of a percent or 1% or 1.5%, it's very difficult these days for people to retire on what they thought they were going to be, even if they thought they could live purely on the interest. And for someone to have planned to live on the interest, they had to have done a very good job yeah. of putting enough money away to live on just the interest. And now to have that backfire on them and say, you know, nothing's guaranteed, not even the rate I was planning on getting. Now they have to eat into that principle and they do have that risk of running out of money. I remember back in the 70s, of course, I was only 10 years old then, but in 1975, but watching my grandparents get their check from the bank every year for the interest on the CDs they had, and we're talking about 15%. Percent? You know, yeah, exactly. A lot of money. <laughs> and so you go from 15% living off the interest, not touching the principal, to now, and, and I want you to comment on this, a lot of folks, in order to get the income they need, are having to put their money at a lot more risk than they really should be taking with a lot more money than they really should be putting at risk. What do you think about that? Well, that, that's what's driving the stock market to the heights, even even uh, with the recent downturn. All right, the stock market is, in my opinion, uh, overvalued. Yep. Uh, and I think it's because, or oh, there's a lot of evidence 
that it's because a lot of people have been forced into the stock market because the bond market, the cash market, money in CDs, alternatives to income generation have been so low in the low-risk area, they've had to move into higher-risk stocks. And quite frankly, some some good dividend-yielding stocks are out there paying 4 or 5 maybe even 6% if you look hard enough. But you have to remember that those stocks can come down in value and that dividends are not guaranteed. Yeah. The one good thing about dividends, and that's when I look at dividend stocks, I, I look at it as you're being paid to take a risk a little bit, but they can take that payment away, can't they? They can pull the carpet out from under you. The dividend can go away or down, and the stock price could go down as well. That's right. That's right. You know, inflation is one of the silent killers out there for people's, uh, you know, a lot of people have, they think they have enough money put aside, but the cost of goods and services each year goes up. That's inflation. What's your opinion on inflation in the next 10, 20, even 30 years down the road? Well, I think it's so important, that topic, that I, it's the last chapter in my book. All right? It's inflation, the constant variable. Yep. What I personally think is we, we, along with most developed nations, are literally going to have to monetize enough and inflate our way out of this debt. All right, because you can't possibly, you know, we talk about the $18 trillion in debt this country is in, but that doesn't count the obligations we have for Medicaid, Medicare, prescription drugs. That, you add that on top of it, you're talking another 50, 60, 70 trillion, depending how you measure it. And when you have that much debt, and I'll call those obligations, I'll add those into debt, you simply can't tax the generation below the baby boomers enough to pay for the baby boomers. So the only solution to that is to let inflation run at 5 to 7%, say, but the stated inflation, CPI, which is very much controlled, it doesn't include food or energy and so on and so forth. So All the things we use every day, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. So if, in fact, real inflation, as measured back in the 80s, is running around 7%, then everything's going to double in 10 years. But if your Social Security check is only going up by 1% because CPI, Consumer Producer Index, if that only goes up by 1%, that's what your Social Security is going to go up by. So if your Social Security, say you start at 2000 it's going up 1% a year. In 10 years, you might have you know, 2050 bucks, all right? But if everything else is going up at 7%, Using the rule of 72, everything doubles in 10 years. So who's really going to get hit hard with the debt we're in is the people that let it happen. Yeah. All right? The baby boomers, quite frankly, were in charge while all this debt piled up on itself. And the baby boomers are the ones that are going to be so surprised when they start retiring and don't have enough because inflation has eaten away their benefit, if you will. That's the only way out. Yeah, when we look at the national debt, I mean, when you look at the unfunded liabilities and then all the, uh, you know, the, the other people that are coming in here and, and more obligations, more welfare, I think it's over $100 trillion. And when you say that to the average American, they've never seen a million dollars in one place. Now, when you can't even comprehend a trillion, That's much right. less $100 trillion. It's crazy numbers. You're absolutely, Pete. You cannot comprehend that kind of money. So if you, if you have to break it down and put it into how much does that mean, how much debt per person in the United States is that, all right? And, and it's an exorbitant amount. I mean, I, I think if we talk the numbers you're talking, 
uh, or just take 100 trillion like you just suggested and divide it by the 165 million people working people it's a big number you know we i know we have 320 million or somewhere around there in this country but not all of them work a lot of them are retired a lot of them are children so on and so forth but the 165 divide that up and it's it's an astronomical number that we, you could never pay back so but it's all going to be relative for the working americans you know our children i'm a baby boomer all right, our children are going to be fine because coming out of college instead of making fifty thousand, they're going to be making a hundred. So if they pay sixty for their first car instead of thirty, it'll all be relative. Yeah. All right, I have a there's a chapter in my book. Everything is relative, and so because I talk about all these different issues, you know, th- this is this is the the understanding behind finance that people have to get a grip on. Uh, I actually split the book into two two parts. First part is all the stuff we're talking about, you know, how people feel, what keeps them from possibly, you know, attaining as much as they can, uh, what holds them back from being all they can, you know, these more psychological aspects of finance. And the last half, last part of the book is on stocks, real estate, bonds, inflation, uh, valuations, things like this, that a lot of people, oh my God, if I got into that, it sounds like a, a course I'm taking. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I, I put the first part, I, I imagine the, the more fun part, all right, psych, psychological issues in the front of the book. And then if you're interested enough, you can go in the back of the book, and I kept it extremely simple. I made understanding of stock so simple, I brought it back to cavemen times. You know, and made, you know, Wilma and, and her husband create Fred. a company. All right. You know, I, I didn't call him Fred. I didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> steal from the show. <laughs> so, well, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think a lot of people out there are afraid it will be, and they're afraid of uh, sounding dumb when they, when they ask questions. And, folks, no question is a bad question. But a good step is, is to get a plan, get someone who understands you and, and, and you understand them. And a, and a good book here by Douglas Obey, again, Money and the Human Condition. Understanding how money shapes our society and how to gain control of your finances. And if you uh, want to hear this interview again in its entirety or share it with friends, you can go to financialsafari.com and click on the As Heard on the Show icon. Doug, thanks for your time today. Hope you come on again in the future. Thanks, Pete. I hope you have me. And folks, we'll be right back after this. Mm-hmm. 